You are listening to WIT Vikings, a sport at WIT podcast. Hi, I'm Tom Grinsel, and I would like to welcome our special guest presenter, Lizzie Kent, to our show today. Uh, we will be your host for episode 9 of the WIT Vikings Sport Podcast. Today is International Women's Day, and it couldn't be a better time to revisit our women in sports topic. Dr. Aoife Lane is a native of Galway and lectured in the Department of Health, Sports and Exercise Science at WIT for 13 years, becoming head of department during this period. In 2017, she took up the position of head of department in sport and health science at Adlone IT. Aoife comes from a family steeped in GA tradition, where she herself has represented Galway Camogie with distinction at underage level. She has been involved in the GA Healthy Clubs project and has chaired the Camogie Association National Player Welfare Committee. However, arguably, Aoife's biggest achievement lies in becoming one of the founding members of the Women's Gaelic Players Association and being its first chairperson. Aoife has recently stepped down from her position as chairperson after three years at the helm. Um, so, Aoife, thanks a million for coming in today. Uh, just to start off, you might tell our listeners how the Women's Gaelic Players Association came about. Um, yeah, it came about, I suppose, just a chance opportunity, really. Um, I don't know. I suppose I wasn't involved in a county setup myself, so didn't know an awful lot apart from being in college and knowing county players. But um, I would have admired them. I would see anyone in a county jersey as being a bit of a hero. It didn't really matter to me if it was a man or a woman. Um, that's the way it was just presented to me always. So, um, But I would have stayed in the loop a little bit, maybe. And I was at a few All-Stars. And I suppose one All-Stars I was at, Dunlow Cusack spoke and he was obviously one of the founding members of the GPA and he just prompted the audience why isn't there something like this for for the female Gaelic player Um, I just went up to him afterwards and he gave me his card and I suppose that kicked off a whole year of planning was this worth doing Um, what would it look like who would be involved uh, what should it do? Um, so there was a lot of engagement with, with the players. We did a big survey. You couldn't just go and launch it. At the time, I was like, oh, let's just do it. But I think a lot of people advised me that, no, you needed it to be grounded in a need of some kind. And the need was fairly obvious fairly quickly, you know, that there was a lot of things that needed to be sorted out. And I suppose the most important thing was getting six kind of really well-known, well-respected um high performing, um, I suppose, great people alongside me, you know, that that was the clincher because they knew the stuff. I I was always aware that I wasn't one of them as such. But I mean, I had Kate Kelly, your own Kate, um, who's, you know, the greatest like Camogie player you could have. And we had Anna Geary and Deirdre Murphy from Clare. And then we had Valerie Mulcahy from Cork, Fiona McHale from Mayo and Gemma Begley from Tyrone. And, you know, they shaped it really um, along with the wider membership and, that was it. It was a year of kind of hard work, lots of meetings and care. We That's where we used to hang out. And um, yeah, it, it, it kicked off from there. Aoife, just from the, the survey and in the early doors, was there anything that really stood out as in that really surprised you in relation to the feedback that you got of, I suppose, the, the concerns or the mm. issues that players faced? For me, the ones that jumped out is very different for me and then what the general public picked up. Um, for me, it was the respect and the acknowledgement that players kind of felt that they weren't really respected or acknowledged in the sporting world or in the general world. And you're kind of going, God, because uh, I would, anyone who makes it to the top level in, in Gaelic games for me is a hero, like, because they've put in so much time and effort to build on natural ability and to 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 see that they felt a lack of respect and acknowledgement was difficult. That's the one for me. The media jumped on the toilets and the showers and those kind of headlines. 
Um, which, you know, they were probably right to because, you know, that's nonsensical. And but we were probably going, God, that's the low hanging fruit. It's still not sorted, probably. But um, I just really was concerned by this respect and acknowledgement thing within sport. And also, as I said, beyond that. Um, but I suppose the stuff that we did get that kind of reassured us was that 99 percent of players were like, let's do this. You know, we feel we need to have a voice. Um, I was probably also a little bit shocked that. Not shocked, but I suppose maybe you could admire it and be shocked by it. But the girls were very much self-managers and they'd get on with it. And maybe their expectations were, oh, you know, we just have to we have to deal with this. This is how it is. And do you think that maybe with some of the barriers in relation to that element, do we do we as female athletes sometimes just just have that kind of get up and get on with it kind of attitude that maybe has stifled it a little bit? It has a bit, you know, and you make the best of it and you do a lot yourself independently and, you know, you're very good then at finding creative ways around things, you know, maybe having, having, bringing food collectively as a group, um, having a kitty maybe that you might help out people with expenses, um, using contacts to find pitches for training, um, traipsing around trying to find good managers, good coaches. You know, there's an awful lot of that, geez, if we don't do it, it mightn't happen. Now, there probably is cases where there's very good county boards that would maybe take the ownership a little bit, but you would have felt that a lot of it would have fallen back on players and they did it willingly. But I suppose we were trying to say that, yeah, we still, and we, I think players very much have to be a part of any solution, but you know, that maybe they needed to ask a few more questions and challenge a little bit more. But as we always said, they have to be part of the solution too. It's not about pushing things over there and saying sort it out. Um, it had to be, they had to be engaged. Mm. And um, like I suppose you, you've taken huge strides in mm. the last few years. Like in, how, how do you think it's going to develop from here on? You, you've done a lot of work over the last three mm. years, so you obviously want to see it being brought forward a more again and mm. th- do, you, do you think that's going to happen over the coming years? I do, yeah, yeah. Like it's, I suppose we're four years old and um, all I could see was what was left to be done and probably got a little bit overwhelmed by that, you know, that you're kind of going, Jesus, like we're still so far away from where we'd like to be. But I mean, there was a couple of big breakthroughs. The grants, the government grants um, in association with the two NGBs, Camogie and Ladies Football was very important mm. and I suppose Deirdre Murphy and Claire, in fairness to her, really drove that and had the, I suppose, a little political know-how and to really steer something like that. But that was a big breakthrough. But I suppose what we would feel, Tom, is that that will enhance, the funding will increase. Mm. The men get about 2.6 million a year, we get half a million. Um, so there's a gap. <laughs> um now, we don't mind if the funding is proportionate to the number of people, but at the minute it isn't. But you have to plead your case, I suppose, and you're in the door and we're on the way. And we've been very well received by the government and Sport Ireland. So, you know, you have to be appreciative of what you have, know that you have a journey yet to go. Um, there's still a lot of on the ground issues. You know, I was you know, thinking earlier, you can be very positive and there's loads of really good things happening. But I suppose the nature of our type of organisation is you have to be the one challenging and saying, oh, that's probably not OK. And... You know, so we have to still be maybe a stronger voice um, on the things that aren't quite OK. I'm not one for big media outbursts and I don't think we're that type of organisation, but yeah. working maybe proactively behind the scenes to change things um, more consistently. Like, I suppose only last week the Westmead ladies manager was on about playing in in DCU and DCU have been unbelievable supporters of Dublin. None of us would deny that. But, you know, I suppose we kind of maybe would have thought we've moved beyond a time where you're playing a National League Division 1 game in a grounds with no dugouts or no stands, you know. And, like, nobody's saying 
Dublin are probably the most progressive county. It's not an attack on them or anything, but it wouldn't be right if we just said that's fine. You know, you have to probably mm. go, you know, maybe there's, there's a little bit there that we need to be a bit more consistent about the standards, because I think in places the standards are brilliant. It's just about keeping them consistently high is maybe the next step. Um, I suppose just in, in relation to the, the three or four, you've mentioned the grants. Is there any other areas that are that are standout for you that you kind of feel really proud of that you've introduced mm. or that you've been involved in the process of yeah. introducing? I think probably all the off the field supports like they are probably limited to um, individual players, um, you know, in that. The off the field supports are given a scholarship to one player, given leadership programs to a player. So they're not as broad ranging, but they're life changing. And, you know, you feel like having those suite of opportunities now for players off the field, because, again, a player's organization is very much about promoting the player, but also the person we see. We see these athletes as people first and athletes second. So you're very much in a position where you're trying to support them. So you'd be very proud that we have a very strong suite of programmes now to support people. Um, we did a lot of good stuff that I think other people might have, um, you know, supported as well around getting to know, you know, our maybe our imagery and our promotion campaigns were all about behind the player, telling the story. Um, I suppose we would have always felt that you need to, you can't, I suppose, sometimes I, you should support women's sport. You shouldn't do anything. You should be given a reason. And I suppose what we tried to do was show that this player is a person, you know, they come from a club, um, they've got family members involved in the game, uh, they've maybe strong friendships, they're commuting. You try to depict and give people a connection. And I think that was a strategy that we we took as well. So th- those are bits and pieces. But I suppose you're proud for a second and then it's move on to the next issue or, or concern. Great. We we currently have um, Iona Heffernan. Um, she's on our WGPA scholarship here in WIT. So you might just maybe tell us a little bit about that initiative and the benefits it's had for the for yeah. the player. Yeah. Um. And you know, in fairness to WIT, they they jumped on board with this. Um. One of the things again, as I said, we tried to provide opportunities for players, and uh, Watford were straight on board, uh, very supportive of myself and I suppose Kate at the time we would have prompted it and Sheila and everyone in the business department, Tom, would have been brilliant so we offered two, they had two full scholarships for both the men and women so again you're moving to a stage where it's the exact same and I think until we're at that, that's equality when it's the, when it's the same opportunities anything yeah. less isn't, so that was the first principle of it and so what it involves is that a, a player can apply to one of the business scholarships here in the college and um, get supported over the duration of that project. Um, so we've had quite a few. Um, I think Sarah Ann Fitzgerald would have done it. Um, I think there was a girl from Wexford as yeah, well. Roisin Murphy, yeah, Roisin Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I know Iona's in it as well. So like WIT would be at the forefront of it. We've tried to develop them elsewhere. Um, DCU were probably do, helping us a little bit. Athlone have come on board. Um, but it's it's trying to move around to all the colleges and have these opportunities. Because, you know, again, they're they're very limited to one person and a small number of people, but very important equally then to that individual. Yes, um, and is the, is the vision maybe to have it across universities? Is it to actually grow it yeah. across universities and colleges? Ah, uh, Definitely, yeah. And equally it would be that we spread the breadth of it. Like business is one theme, um, but we have a nice partnership with Satanta College in LIT and that's quite popular. You know, so I think the guys were coming, maybe coming from the men's side of thing, there was probably a real affinity towards business. It's probably popular amongst the girls, but not as, you know, so okay. there might be opportunities in education, in science, 
um, in sport, in health, to maybe extend the breadth of it a little bit. Um, but again, I suppose our core principle is always our work is prioritised around how, what can we do to help number one to number 30 on the Carlo junior team and the Dublin senior team. And as long as we're being as equal and fair in our work, that everybody is benefiting to the same extent, that has to be your priority. You know, that's your core principle. Yeah. Did, you're just saying there about equality and making mm. sure they're all being treated mm. the same. And do you think college is a big stepping stone for students, for female students yeah. especially? Because you come in, you're getting the best of mm. facilities, the best of setup. How how does that different to differ to other organisations? Like mm. it, it's a massive uh, stepping stone for. Oh yeah, I mean the females. third level setting is like it. It can be a champion really for what we're looking for and what we're trying to seek out. I I saw it at first hand in UL when I was there as a student, and I saw it for a long time here in WIT where it absolutely doesn't matter what gender you are. You're the codes are treated very equally. They all have access to the same facilities, um, same supports, same coaching, um, same information, um, same equipment. Mm. You know, and that's your equality. So your third level setting is probably uh, a pillar for or a really good vision and picture. I mean, it's not perfect everywhere, I imagine, but in the ones that I was familiar with, it was a really good template. And you end up having a situation then where the, the players feel the same and they feel treated equally and equally. And, I, you know, I think that extends to players in county setups as well in clubs. I've never had an issue where a player is anyway wondering they see the female county player as important and as relevant, but it's when we step away from the pitch the things maybe get a bit problematic. But no, you couldn't book commend the third level sector. And again, the ones I've been familiar with have been, you know, super in terms of how they lead and support everyone equally. Yeah. And just following on from that, you just mentioned the, the junior county teams now. Yeah. Are they seeing benefits of it at the minute? How how has the how has the programme maybe helped the counties that weren't as to the forefront? Yeah. Well, I suppose the big thing is the principle of the government grants is that everybody gets the same amount of money. Um, and, you know, that's not typically the same. In You know, the GA gets an awful lot of slack for giving different pots to different groups of people. And yeah. equally, the grants for the men are, I think, tiered, you know, according to how far, far you get in a championship. Whereas we just had a principle that everybody's getting the same amount. And beyond that, then people can addi- find additional funding, you know, to whatever extent they want and however innovative they are and um, I suppose how progressive they are to do that. But we're saying this amount, everybody's getting it. Um, so, you know, Cork Camogie might do X with it and uh, Kerry Camogie might do Y with it, but at least they're getting the same amount. So that's massive. So I think... It's really important for us that we had that in place. And then all of our programmes, it doesn't matter who you're playing with. It's it's basically a personal need and a professional need that we base our decisions on. So it's really important to us. You know, we're not, um, you know, even our membership, our, our executive, it's it's all, it reflects all of the provinces, all of the codes equally um, to try and make sure, and all of the grades, to try and make sure that we're very conscious of everybody who's in this, you know, and trying to treat them fairly. Yeah, mm. it's really fair across the board then. Yeah. When you do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just just changing tack slightly. Yeah. Um, the twenty by twenty campaign, obviously for the yeah. for the day that's in it, it's it's I suppose a, a big campaign that's been rolled out at the minute. Is there any um 
particular, I suppose obviously there's there's three tiers too, but is there any particular area that you, that you really feel that can, I suppose, really benefit or maybe areas that we really need to focus on with th- those three kind of cornerstones that they're using? Yeah, I think in fairness, they've, they've cracked it in terms of um, the areas. And I suppose the national sports policy for women in sport was launched yesterday. And again, it has kind of four areas. Um, if I try to think of them now, I think there's governance and leadership, there's visibility, there's participation. And I can't think of the fourth one now, of course. But again, they're probably, that's probably nothing new, the areas, you know, but what's 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 needed is actions and targets and metrics. And I suppose in fairness to 2020, they had very clear targets. Um, maybe the policy yesterday, I don't know, was there very clear targets in it, but there's there's nice baseline data to show this is where we're at now. But you have to, the policy really needs that, that check of where you're going to. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's great. Like there's a lot more energy around it all. I suppose that what the 2020 thing is doing really well is the visibility. Like you can't, you, you know, you can, it's very visible on social media. It really is, you know, very strong that way. And it's engaging people. Um, and I suppose the policy yesterday, they're going to appoint a women in sport lead and they're increasing the funding around women in sport. So, like, you have to admire all of that investment um, because you, you do need money and you need resources to prompt action. Um, I suppose the next step is that it's evidence-based action, you know, that we're doing things that are seen to work and that we're measuring them and that we have targets. And, you know, you do need policy measures too. I would probably have been a fan of quotas because sometimes I think you just have to do that to make things happen. You know, I'm tired of waiting. We've waited 100 years and it'll you're kind of creeping upwards all the time but um, sometimes you've and I think people's argument against quotas is that oh but if they'll only give to the woman for because they have to which is nonsense because there's plenty of capable women um, the one beside me here who could take up any position in administration yeah. or coaching and do a super job um, so you know we, we kind of the arguments back against these things baffle me sometimes. You know. Yeah, and I suppose there's one there's one area of the 2020 that are, I suppose one of their one of their their pillars in relation to numbers at games, and it's one that always intrigues yeah. me. I suppose um, I, I find that at sometimes maybe as females that are we sometimes poor to support our own games. Is that something mm-hmm. that we need to now? And, and I and I understand as in. We ha- it has to be a want to go, but as in I suppose I have a number of people who who go to lots of men's games, mm. but maybe don't don't think of travelling to the women's games. Yeah, I know, but like I I get that, but the women's sporting women thing is a bit limiting for me. Um, I think that what we should do is target people who like sport, and that they should be enticed and motivated and encouraged to support sport. Um, I if I have a lot of friends down here in Waterford, and if I told them they should go and watch a camogie match on Saturday, they'd be like, "Good luck." I have a heap of other things to do, and I don't blame them. It's not their thing. You know, women just don't have to do it. Um, I get, but people who like sport, I think, need to be motivated and encouraged. But sometimes you have to bring the I don't know what is it the car to the horse, or whatever. And I think what you see with double headers is that it's there in front of them and everyone enjoys it. And, you know, you have to maybe look at it that way to try and, as I said, entice and motivate and make it easy or easier for people to attend and give reasons like fathers bringing daughters. Um, all of that seems to work and connect a little bit. But I'd be excited. I think we really need to focus on people who like sport and yeah. not be saying it's women sporting women. If you tell people they should be doing something... You kind of know the reaction sometimes. You yeah, know, and I, I think mm. you, you've hit on a really valid point mm. as well, um, I suppose, like fathers bringing daughters. So yeah. the support, um, I suppose, are the importance of of men and women supporting the game. And I think yeah. there sometimes is a little fear around women in sport that maybe that gets lost a little bit, as in, yeah. I suppose, the bigger picture stuff. So it's very interesting to hear you, mm. I suppose, talk about that in relation to 
the relevance of men supporting you would have had that initially from the from the GPA and the support there yeah. would there have been other male influences in, in your own life that would have actually shaped your your mm. thinking on sport or your maybe evolved your love of the game as well yeah well sure I suppose my dad was probably heavily involved and like but I, like I, it was, it's funny I just never felt different gender just didn't come into it I was stone mad on hurling and I, I still see it as hurling. I'm not, you know, I'm a hurling person. The Camogie thing. I think Camogie should be called hurling, to be honest. But um, <laughs> like I, so I suppose I was just brought up in an environment where it didn't matter at all. I was just in awe of these people who had a Galway jersey on them, you know. And then when I found out there was girls who wore Galway jerseys and that they won All-Ireland, my mind was blown. Like I was like, oh, Jesus, this is great. You know, it exists for girls too. So I don't think there was a fuss, you see. It was just that it was there and... I don't think I was brought to any camogie matches, but I suppose I was signed up to a club when I was 10. And then I was like, off you go. And um, then I would have been supported. Like my family came to everything. They supported me just as much as they supported my brothers. Um, so I think within families and clubs, it's very natural, you see, you know. But where the little misstep is, is the county game. And, you know, when you're saying about attendances, you know, club games will always have a few at them. Yeah. You know, because it's it's natural and your family will probably go along to support you. And there's, yeah, there might be a bit more to stretch a little bit more into the club for the men's game. But the girls will always have a decent little splatter in there as well. But where you have the big gap is the county game um, because you just don't have that same connection with people as you do in the men's game. And I think that's the bit we're trying to fix, I suppose. Um, yeah. Uh, what can we do to close that gap? I know it's a, it's a really broad question, mm. but... What uh, initiatives can we put forward just as supporters of the game and people who follow ladies' games? How how can we get that out? I know the media coverage and say even through the colleges, like we, we get students out to all our games. And yeah. Like the female game, ladies' football is, I'd say we've had better games this year compared to the men's games. No, no offence to them or anything, but, mm. you know, it's so exciting. Mm. And it's just getting that across, I think, to the... Mm. To the general public, how how yeah. exciting that game can yeah. be, and it's really difficult on its own because you're coming from a uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of it being a male-dominated uh, concept. So we're still on a journey towards it. Look, at, I'd be a big believer in integration. Uh, you know, as in the Camogie and Leeds football coming under the banner of GA a little bit more. I'd support them being autonomous in some way, but I think what we've done, like the more equality is about giving the same opportunities and same access and. I think what we what we have at the minute is an is an excuse, um, perhaps for clubs and counties and whoever else to say, I know we'll prioritize the lads because you kind of don't blame them; they're their organisation. So we kind of have a, a, I suppose, a platform for people to say, no, 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 we won't do double headers, or we maybe won't. It can't happen on this day because it's X game. So I just think we remove a lot of that stuff if we just say okay let's come more formally under the same banner because things like double headers work fantastically like they yeah. are they've been proven time and again to be a very very good solution to attendances and support and visibility um, because it's a, it's just a little bit easier and you could make them even more attractive you could have reduced rates for getting it coming in earlier um, you could have a little bit of a, the, pot, the pot that's been diverted to the women's game on the day, you know, um, you could have a whole joint promotion strategies like they're doing it tentatively in talk, a kind of more tokenism. But, you know, that's all being promoted by different organisations, whereas if it was all under the one banner, there wouldn't be as many excuses. Yeah. You know, it'd be easier to go to your county and say, actually, your job now is to look after the girls as well. 
you know, you have to promote it. Where's the strategy? Where's the investment? Yeah. And then you can really say, is it equal? You know, would, would it be fair to say that I suppose part of, of the ethos is, is it's removing excuses, really? That's the that's kind of, yeah, I suppose that's what I'm saying. And it mightn't need, there might, you know, it's not that I'm saying it needs to be subsumed and you need to undo or get rid of all the good work that Camogie and Ladies Football do. Not at all. I think they'd be, could still be very autonomous. Like you, I know it's, it exists in soccer and people say, is it working very well? But, they're coming from a totally different starting point because soccer was, you know, the females game wasn't maybe as advanced or developed. We have two really strong organisations, great promotion programmes, brilliant staff. So they're not going to get lost. In fact, they're actually going to go in and be very strong. But that notion of, no, but you're not fully our responsibility is suddenly out of the way. The GA is the most far-reaching organisation. It's unique in the world, never mind Ireland, um, in terms of what it can do. That needs to be the organisation that leads this push for equality and fairness for me, you know. So if it, like I would view you as being such a, a positive female role model in your in your leadership role within the within the WGPA, is there any advice you could give maybe to upcoming leaders or upcoming um, people involved in the game? Maybe just maybe some of the, maybe the barriers that you face that you've overcome or was there any advice that you could give in relation to them? Um. I don't know. I think I suppose the big thing I would have always thought is just take opportunities like they kind of present themselves to you if you're if you're worthy of it or if you're, I suppose, suited to it. Um, it's kind of natural then that you might progress. So generally, if an opportunity comes up for you, you've earned it. So my advice would always be give it a go and um, maybe keep pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit um, and see if you're prepared and ready for it. It's not easy. Like, I mean, the. The WGPA role was brilliant and all, but it's it's challenging. It's hard. Like you, you have to pick up on all the difficult things. Um, it's not the sweet, positive light stuff all the time. So, you know, you but generally you take opportunities and you push yourself a little bit. And it's, you know, you learn as you go. There's no I d- definitely don't have any magic words as such. You work on instinct and gut and you always think of why you started in the first place. And we would have always gone back to that if we would have a bit of unrest or a bit of uncertainty. Why did we do this in the first place um, and think of our core principles? And then we were happy that we were making the right decisions based on why we did this in the first place. I think that's a great piece of advice, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. What next for Aoife Lane? What next? I'm going to, um, I've moved on to a competitor at Lone IT, so I'm uh, enjoying kind of getting really settled up there, um, getting settled in Galway. And I don't have any uh, major plans to get involved in anything anytime soon. And, and and what next, I suppose, for the WGPA? Where would you, if in, in, I suppose, mm. where would you like to see it going? I suppose I'd like to see maybe a bit more synergy between the GPA and the WGPA. I think you have a massive opportunity there with players to be a real strong flagship for. Hang on a second. Let's let's be a little bit more fair and equal here. Um, I've, there's a great line in the Billie Jean King movie uh, Battle of the Sexes. She said, "It's because we want a little bit of what they have," and that's that's kind of what what was what was challenging them. And she's right. Like all of this is going to involve, you know, moving towards equality is going to involve girls and women taking a little bit of what the guys have. Um, so you need them. You need them on board, and that's when the hard questions happen. It's when you're trying to share the resources a little bit better. But like, I think there's loads of money in Gaelic games. I think they're maybe misspending it. Maybe integration would be a blessing in disguise because girls would be like, yeah, no, that's no problem. We'll have some and we'll make good use of it. So um, I suppose a little bit more synergy between the male and female side is what I would like to see happen next super you might be gone to Athlone but we're still going to claim you as one of our own <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back any day yeah <laughs> um, so Aoife 
Manny, thanks for coming in today and we wish you all the best going forward. And like I said, hopefully we see you back in WIT again soon. Uh, that's a wrap for episode nine. I've been Tom. And I've been Lizzie. This podcast is brought to you by WIT Novus. Thanks for listening. You're so funny. That's very good. Well done. Oh, you're brilliant.